Welcome to the Me, You and Data podcast, the podcast that uncovers insights from leading data science and analytics professionals globally to enable you to grow your career, teams and business. I'm Joseph Carlo, your host and founder at 633 who bring you this podcast. We hope you get value from this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Me, You and Data podcast. On today's show, I'm honoured to have a new guest, and today's guest is Abed Ajal, who is the head of data at Eon Next. Um, And we're going to be speaking all things data, um, and I'm really excited about today's conversation. So, Abed, um, would you mind briefly giving the listeners an intro into um, your background and what you're doing today? Okay, thank you very much for the invitation, Joseph. So I'm a bad. I'm someone who's like to talk about data. So we'll talk about data. It is my my most interesting subject um, in my professional career. So I have over 20 years experience in data. Uh, I did uh, my study in France and I, I come from a computer science uh, master degree. So I did my engineer school in France. Obviously, I'm, I'm a technical guy uh, from an engineer side. However, from the start of my computer science degree, I built my career on data because I already want to use my technical knowledge uh, to see how I can apply that to the business. So for, for the last over than 20 years, I, I build this, I, I keep this mindset in my head. Yeah. Um, obviously, data is also technical, but building that on top of that and how we can create value on the business. Fantastic. And one of the questions I have there for you straight away is um, you're obviously a technical person in terms of your background. In the last five or 10 years, perhaps, you've grown in seniority and have obviously held leadership positions. How have you seen your skill set change as you've kind of started to gain more seniority and being more influential, I guess, on the business side, rather than just kind of being a hands-on technical person, which is probably the type of role that you started out as. How has that changed over the years for you? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. I think, yeah, you're right to say that because when you're in the business and, and to get more um, influential and, and get understanding people about the business and, and getting a leader position, is more about talking about the business so when I talk about data, I never talk about the technical part uh, with my peers. I always talk about what we can build next, what we can improve in our business, what we can do differently. And all of this is based on data. So data is, for me, so powerful that most of the company didn't use them efficiently. And when we are using them, it's opened the doors to lot of different areas, lot of different directions, lot of different way to see the business, lot of different way to optimize it, to make the business more profitable, but also for the customer and then giving to the customer a better product, a better usage, and, and also, um, yeah, enter in the market and try to disrupt the market where, where you are being. So I think every data leader need to have this double head. Uh, when I talk with my team also, it's always about that. It's not just we are good in a technical way. We we, we, we use a lot of different technical um, capacities and, and a lot of technical tools, and, and we are great on that. It's not that. Data is not, it's not just that. 
we need also to to understand the business, understand what we can do, what we can improve. So it's not about I can do this. Um, no, it's not, it's more about why I should do this and and what I do will make my company better. That's the most important thing. Yeah, and having that business and commercial lens is obviously really important because I've heard you speak about this before, but starting with why, you know, and the business itself. So sometimes there's a separation, I guess, between IT and business, you know, and you seem like in your career, you've tried to not necessarily put yourself in a box, but how have you come across any challenges on the business side in kind of influencing them with data or essentially having them buy into having a data-driven culture internally? What kind of challenges have you come across there? And I guess, how have you overcome those challenges? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Because as you said, like um, data is, is, yeah, there is two, every time two sides in the business, is business and IT. And I was, every time I said that business should not be in business, I should not be in IT should be very in the middle uh, or should be cross. Um, and, and your question is very interesting about how we make um, or business stakeholders or even IT stakeholders more data driven. Um, it's, it's sometimes is, 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 is very challenging uh, because uh, it's, it changed the way how you see things and it changed the way how we used to do things. So changing, changing the culture is not something that it happens um, in one second. It needs times and it needs very to, to, to run a marathon and you need very um, to be conscious of the steps you need you need to uh, to address. It depends on, on each company, obviously. Um, yeah. however, what, what I learned in my past is more like to make sure that you, you, you can run that step by step and make sure that you you show the, the capacity of the data and you show how we can help. So the first thing to, to know, and every time I talk with my people in my team to coach them on, on how, how to manage the stakeholders is more about first is getting the trust. And after that, when you get the trust and when, when you, you help people, that when you, you see that data could be very helpful for the business, it's more after that to, to give them the right direction and asking sometimes very difficult question. You asked me to do that, but for, for, for what for why reason? Why, why you are looking at, at this kind of thing? Always because of, of AYZ, say the AYZ didn't exist. And when I look at the data, the AYZ didn't exist. So I don't know where that's come from. It's a good feeling. Yeah, but sorry, there is no yeah. good feeling in my in my words. It's just about uh, facts. Um, yeah. And sometimes you arrive at the very difficult situation and, and very thing, but you need to be aware of sometimes. Yeah, I also apply that in myself. Is a stem of just be helpful and, and just try to help. And after that, trying to shape the data culture in the right direction. Um, but, you know, gut feeling, it's, it's, it happens in most of the business. And, and it's something we need, we need to kill with, with the data and having a more fact and, and, and understanding things and make sure that we, we apply the right solution to the, to the right problem. Um, I can give you a lot of examples on that if you want. Yeah, I think the point that you made there, Abed, is really important you know because you mentioned kind of two things that i want to dissect a little bit and dive into a little bit deeper one of them was you know gaining the trust of the business you know because sometimes some businesses for example may not have 
data-driven cultures. They may not even have a chief data officer. I'm sure that in past organisations, you've kind of gone in and been one of the first or the second or third person. So there's still a relationship to be built there. What are some of the kind of practical steps that you take to building that trust and to building that relationship with the non-technical stakeholders? And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming maybe one of the ways is by developing and delivering proof of concept, for example, of what can happen and creating different scenarios of how the data can help. But do you mind kind of just diving into that a little bit, just so that the listeners have some tangible takeaways from a standpoint of, okay, here's how I can go and build trust in my organization. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, building building step by step, building by proof of concept, etc. It's it helps a lot in terms of the trust. But the first thing, the first the first rule, very simple to apply to build the trust is to listen, listen carefully on 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 the stakeholders, understanding that their the issues, um, and after that, trying to think because you know sometimes step by step, they, that has to really not probably not fit the right subject because they need something very quick and they need something things. So you need to to understand understanding the 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 problem. Uh, correctly and listen, um, and after that apply the right the right solution for them. Um, but when when you apply a data driven project, if you want to to build a data data driven solution in the first place without getting the trust, without making an understanding the things, you would probably uh, lost a lot of time to build something, and then they will not probably understand it and not probably apply it. And that will be very less uh, lost of, of of money, loss loss of time. So this is not something we want. So <clears throat> I can give you one example on that. For instance, in one company, there is uh, someone in marketing come to me and said, "Oh, Abed, could you please now measure the um, the number of calls we are, the, the customers are making after they coming in the website? What is it about? What what are you trying to achieve here? Oh, you know, Abed, uh, just before you join, uh, we need a lot." two-month project to review the website and building videos and to explain the customer etc because customer ops told me that told us that they get confused when they go to women's website and we got a lot of calls coming from the website because they don't understand it okay let, let me check when i check on the data it was completely wrong so the most of the calls are coming and not come from people who went to the website website and after that calling that was completely the the, the statement was wrong and i said to them yeah you save a little bit of time for the customers to understand a little bit in the website. You did a great job, but the value of the job was that. And when they see the thing, they saw the figure, they were like, "My God, spending two months of project driving things things to to a value that is was very, very, very little." That that was not completely. That was not that driven. It's just by yeah. we, we heard that there is a problem in there. <clears throat> and we try to fix it, but they don't understand the size of the problem. Don't understand. Yeah. Is, is it is it the first thing to do? Is it is it is it that was very painful for the customer? Did, did you listen really uh, on the data? Be be very very factual and and understand the data, understand where where the customers are struggling uh, in yeah. in the product or in the thing. So and it's a one example where where the data culture is not there um, and when we should leverage uh, better. Um, better usage of the data and better understanding yeah. how how we should prioritize our work. Yeah, that's a really good example, Abed. Thanks for sharing that. And I think through that example, what this tells me as well is that the questions that you ask 
are very important as well. The questions that you ask about the data, um, defining the problem in itself is kind of an important step to make. Um, what are some of the kind of first steps or key principles, I guess, that you would have when trying to derive maximum value from the data? Yeah, exactly. So I, I always said that also to my to my team in data. So try to to change the way to be just an IT service. So you you get a, you ask me a question, I will give you the answer. Uh, that's for me what I call an IT service because you're just responding for for a question. Where data you should we should be over that. When you, when you ask me a question, I should ask well, why are you asking the question. Where, where is the pain? Well, well, what you try to achieve here, and when when we talk about things, so I learn a lot of things. I learn about something that is painful for you, and, and, and understanding the story, understanding where it's come from, and after that, I can I can probably build something that something more, much more interesting than than your first request, and I understand more the the context, um, and that's something very very important for for someone in data to understand the context, understand what we should build and, and try to, to help stakeholders the most in the most efficient way. I saw some requests, you know, where yeah. when it's coming from the first question to after the, after the question, after the end, they're coming for something completely different because the person, it's not the fault of the, of the stakeholders when they ask questions, it's more because they don't understand how, what we can do also, what, yeah. what, what, what capacity to be on, uh, beyond just a, just a report or just, just a, uh, uh, an analysis. And something very, 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 very usual. Yeah. Um, and the why question is very important. Yeah, 100%. And one of the other things that you touched upon is, you know, type of organisation. Now, different types of organisations are at different levels of maturity when it comes to their data strategy and what stage of the roadmap they're at. I kind of like to split the organisations into relatively broad camps, but one, you've got the larger legacy business you know old data data stored in different places without a data-driven culture and then you potentially have organizations on the other side who are smaller more agile more nimble um who are able to adapt to new data practices relatively quickly because perhaps they're data natives or they have their data organized right from the get-go what are some of the experiences i guess that you've had with creating a data-driven culture in both of those organizations especially the kind of legacy organization where it's like you know it's heavily matrix you have all of these different stakeholders where do you kind of start with that type of organization first and foremost and then we'll go into the more startup type business yeah i think that's that's a very good question i think it's, it's completely different based on my experience so when I worked for, for Yellow Pages in France, for instance, it was quite a very, very uh, legacy um, type of company. And there is not a lot of, of data-driven things, even if they, they, they'll have a lot of people working data and, and a lot of uh, different dashboards and, and way to look at that measure. It was not very, uh, I would say, um, data-driven because they just, have the measure to see if it's good or bad and i think there's no like really understanding getting the data to understand what is the painful things and how what we can make it better it was just made by 
gut feeling and things and, and how to do it. And we do that for the last 20 years, so we'll not change anymore. So in this kind of company, when I done in innovation, it was very interesting because I try to get art, um, as you said in the, in the beginning, actually, it's, it's, it's going by proof of concept. So oh, well, we were the first in, in data in, in Europe, for instance, to bring data that's never been crossed together. So all, all, all the research in Europe against all the commercial side, it was never been really crossed together because it was so big um, in terms of data. So we built a, a big data platform for that. And it was so, so, so informative. And, and there are a lot of in, interesting use case based on that. So what, we, what we've done is to build that um, slowly by proof of concept. So we did the first proof of concept in terms of where, where to get and, and where to prospect and where to not go, where to go. Uh, it was completely changed the, the, the strategy in the commercial. So I remember one commercial said to me, uh, a director of commercial say, when, when he saw the map and saw all things we we, we done on, on the proof of concept, he looked at that and say, you know, I bet in 10 minutes, you destroy all my strategy in, in my commercial, wow. <laughs> commercial strategy. <laughs> I said, yeah, but it was not the purpose. And, and, to, and to probably think about how, how we can leverage um, and then how we can do more win-win um, deal with our customers. And this, this is something very important, just about selling, selling, selling. So about also selling the right thing, the right product to make our customer happy. And, and that creates a lot of, of um, in the problem on, on the legacy side is in the big companies, it's like, you know, it's, it's very difficult in terms of how to move things. Um, it's, it's quite a little bit slow. And it's not just about the slowness, it's all about also the politics behind that. So you need to be careful on, on, on who, who will sell things, who, who will not like it and who, how to manage that. Um, yeah. So there is a lot of, of work behind that, which is not beyond the data. It's, it's, it's completely uh, common to, to any, any, any type of, of uh, legacy business. Yes. But however, be that a raven in this kind of companies, it's, yeah, we, we, need, we need to consider this, this problem um, because for me, it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they, they advantage in that. And we need to be beyond that and, and try to, to solve this kind of thing. Um, so sometimes a good idea could, could slow down uh, just because of, of this kind of thing. So how, how to, to make things happen. So it's just to make, to make understanding, you know, like you manage um, stakeholder management, you know, having the map and, and all, the, this, all the people who know they like it and people who like it and, and trying to play with that. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, um, but I believe that um, in, in these kind of companies, um, the good thing is that you can do something very quick and, and have a lot of value quite very simply and, and, and very quickly. The, 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 beside, the, the flip side on that is, is the fact that the culture is not there. The problem is more like people who used to do things like they used to do uh, and how to change that and how to, to make, them, make them grow in the culture in terms of data. So it's something not very um, easy because it's, 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 it's touched the behavior of the, of the people. Um, but yeah. as long as we got, got the right sponsor and the right um, support, that could happen. So yeah. I remember Europages, uh, when we did that, the, uh, the CEO of Europages asked me to, to show that, to show the tool and to show how 
to 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 uh, to get more insight and and more data be data behavior behind behind the, the map and understanding where to sell etc. He, he asked me to show that to uh, to uh, a full conference of commercials. Uh, there were like seven hundred commercials, I think, in the room, just to explain them what what we can do. So um, yeah. that showed that CEO get it. Um, they get it that we should we should we should be there. The, the most problematic at this at this point of time was more people around around the CEO yeah. sometimes and they, the organizational structure and yeah and that's that was that was my experience in, in this yeah. kind of aspect. And from what you're describing there, Abed, it seems clear to me that as a data leader, the skills that you need go beyond the technical and data understanding to really make the data and the data insight valuable to the business. You have to get along with people. You have to be um, commercially savvy, but you also have to have good stakeholder management skills, right? Because you have to get people on side. People have to buy into the mission um, and understand why, you know, why data makes sense and why using data and working together make sense and you was obviously able to do that very quickly which kind of got the buy-in of the commercial director and also the ceo so i think that's an important point to make um abed especially as one rises through the ranks of seniority to get value from data there's no getting away from the fact that actually you have to know how to speak to people especially in larger businesses yeah exactly you a very good point um you need to make a lot of friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. And and that's on the um like legacy side of the business that we touched on. You've had experience, right? Obviously, having your own startup and working in a different type of data environment, right? What were some of the things that you saw as it relates to you know um, embedding or even starting with a data first mentality in a smaller firm where you are perhaps able to be more agile where everyone is kind of bought into the data mission and stuff. Is it easier or are there still some things that are difficult in kind of sustaining that data culture in a more startup environment, so to speak? No, I think in startup environments is, is much, much more easier. So first of all, every startup I, I can see in my startup and, and the others, they are more likely to be data-driven and, and, and most of them are already data-driven. Because, you know, when we do your, um, your commercial pitch and, and you, you, when, when you try to, to raise some money, you, you need to be data-driven and you need to show that to investors you are data-driven. Um, and before you starting your startup, you need to be data-driven also because yeah. you don't know if there is a market uh, on, on when, when you want to launch your product or not. So. You need, you need to have some data. You need to understand what's going on. You need to, it's just about, if people build a startup with my gut feeling, probably we not get much more investors. So you need, you need to, to understand that the market is there. You understand that. And for that, you need data. So most of the startups are data driven already, and they're more likely to be data driven. So yeah. when, when you come in a, in a startup position where, where you, you you build things, you understand the data more, you understand the customer more, you're trying to build things in, around that. I think it's it's so amazing when you you directly make an impact and, and you apply this this uh, the, the discovery directly on 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 the shelf. And after that, it's great to see the value 
be, be generated directly. Um, and there is no like more delay in terms of, of how we will do that and how we will change that uh, and how we will change the behavior there in there in there. There is a lot of different constraints coming from the other side. When startup is could be very quick, it could be like yeah. applied that uh, very, very instantly. Um, I can I can give you also another another um, example. Um, yeah, please. From from I can give you two examples actually, from um, a company that is company startup and a company that's not startup. I can give you the name and then you will understand how they change in terms of data behavior, which is quite very very interesting. So, so the first example is is um, from a startup. If it was a it was a fr French startup um, uh, selling the um, online game in Facebook. The way how how they make money is easy. It's about um, you know the, the game is free, but after that, when you go more on games, you're more addict, and after that, you buy yeah. something get you get you you um, you avatar much 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 stronger. Yeah. Um, so the idea is people are very very passionate about gaming about things. So they, they just build games and they build like five games, but they saw that the revenue is not getting there. So they build they have a growth of revenue, but it's not. It's not what they expected. So it's, it's growing, but not that much. So what they've done is they stop building games and they they just look at the data. So they, they map all the people, well, the good customers who are buying things, et cetera, et cetera, how it looks like against customers, um, their users who are going to, to, to play and, and they not play anymore. They just just don't, don't, don't participate in the revenue. Yeah. And they saw that they saw that people who are while gaming while buying, they are more likely buying if they have rated people around them in, in Facebook. So if they have friends in Facebook, they are more likely to be a thing because they, they push each other to, to play more. And when they play more, they, they're more things. So what they've done is they changed completely yeah, network they, they market, the market only on the network of people who are already playing. Um, and that was so fantastic. So they did, um, they grow by two in, in, the, in terms of the revenue in one year, just by using the data, not by creating new games, just by using yeah. the data and just by understanding the customer, understanding things. So this is one of the, one example where you, you can completely change. If you don't look at the data, if you don't analyze the data, if you don't be data driven, you don't understand the market. When I say don't understand the market is, it's a bit, it's a bit hard, um, but it's more like understanding the customer, understanding how how that works in the business. Now, this is yeah. a very good example. Um, I think it's a, it's a it's a make that every 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 English people know now because they, they are in the UK. It's Decathlon. Um, so the the, the French um, retailer on, on the sportswear. Yeah. Sports. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they what they've done is. Um, they, they try, this is something very interesting. I want to talk about a little bit about this case because it's very, very interesting. So they they did something very interesting in terms of understanding the online and the offline. Most of the big companies or the very legacy companies, they have um, different data leaders in different departments and different things. So they have business objectives on the, sh on the, sh on the stores and they have business objective on the online. And they completely separate the two, the two, the two areas. Um, when I discussed with, when I did this discussion with Carrefour in France, I said that's just crazy. That's just crazy. That makes for me no sense because data should be completely crossed everything. 
because there's a lot of things to do, and this is exactly what Decathlon done. So what they've done is just looking at all the research they made on the online, and after that, they look at what has been sold in the stores. What amazingly, they found that most likely research on Thursday and Friday generate, they generate sold on the store near to the research online, to the store next to the research in, in the weekend. So when, when they discovered that, what they've done, they maximize the near shop or on the storage and, and yeah. they, know, they know what will be sold and they put some other products related to this product next to them. And, and they, they make, I think they, they release a paper on that. I think they make 15, 20% increase of the revenue by using data, by using the online for the offline, yeah. which is quite amazing. Um, and this is, again, something that uh, it will not be possible to discover. It makes okay. sense when you said that, but it will not be possible to discover if you don't look at the data. And this is this is the very important things to be to do in in, in data when you when you're living that is that um, there is different there is infinite combination in data. So how to look at the data, how to make sure things is about crossing the data, make sure that you get all the information you can get, understanding the customer, understanding the behavior, understanding the the, the things to to make sure that we can maximize that. Hundred percent, and and those are fantastic examples, Abed, and I think that. We're seeing technology and data and, you know, the use of algorithms become much more prevalent in our everyday shopping behavior, for example, almost to the point, you know, where as consumers, I think consumer behavior has changed a lot as well due to the use of data from a standpoint of consumers expect you to know more about them and to tailor their experiences based on what you know about them. You know, so almost at times, if I'm shopping online, for example, and I get like, let's say I'm shopping on Zara or ASOS and the recommendations underneath aren't necessarily aligned to what I'm shopping for, I'll be like, well, I kind of expect if I'm looking at trainers or if I'm looking at sportswear for the recommendations underneath to be sportswear and shops are picking up on that more and more. And it just makes sense. And that's really just by looking at the data. And I think that actually the consumer and the customer of today needs that much more and is expectant of that. So hopefully, and we have started seeing already, you know, many organizations become much more data driven. And even the legacy businesses, such as the big banks, for example, um, taking advantage of all of the data that they have and trying to organize this to actually essentially compete and serve the customers better. So I think those are really good points. And as we kind of wrap up a little bit as well, what I wanted to ask you is, you've been working in data for a while, there's a lot of changes and advancements and there's a lot of buzzwords and stuff like that happening. What are some of the things that I guess you're most excited about um, in the short to medium term in the data space? I think, you know, yeah, as you said, data is so evolving. So there is a lot of a new thing coming basically every day or every week. And it's quite um, sometimes very difficult to follow everything and, and see how, how, how the thing's evolving. For, for me, the, 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 the most important key point is following and make sure that doing 
every morning, you know, I'm doing my, my technical watch and, 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 and understanding what's going on, having my, my alerts and that, and, and see what, what, what's the trend and how, how things is evolving. So it's something very, very important to keep in mind. Um, it's not because you understand something now that could be applied in the next five years. I don't believe that. I yeah. think we keep, we keep learning. Um, as I used to say, although to my team, you know, every day should be a school day. Every day you should learn something new. And what, what I'm very more exciting right now is more about developing of the AI, um, uh, mostly on the, on, the, on the deep learning side, how, how that change and, and how, you know, it's, it's, it's completely uh, amazing how it's getting very, very fast. And it's so, 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 so impressive uh, what we can do now um, and what we can't do uh, in the yeah. last, in the last, even the last two, three years. Uh, so that's so, something very exciting and, and very important to to follow and make sure that uh, we can also apply some of the techniques in, in our business um, to to see how how we can create even a better value for for customers and and for businesses. Hundred percent, and and on the deep learning side, as you mentioned. What's, what's exciting for me about that as well is that there's a lot of practical and tangible examples of the commercial use of deep learning. You know, um, there's maybe some technology, right? Let's say if we speak about virtual reality that, yeah, it's, it's coming, you know, it's, it's on the way, but it's not quite there in terms of mass adoption and stuff like that. But deep learning, you can definitely see it a lot more. So that's definitely exciting. I agree with you on that. Um, lastly, Abed, what's the best piece of advice that you've received in your career as it relates to data? Obviously, you've managed to sustain successfully a long-term career in data and you're, you're still going, um, adding value to businesses. So just for the listeners out there who are maybe at manager level or just new into data leadership, what's some advice that has been shared with you that you think would help them a lot in their journeys too? That's a very, very <laughs> tricky question. Uh, I think the best advice I receive on that is so found on the journeys, you know, when, when we analytics people, most data leaders should be, should be analytics people and it should be someone that likes to be very, very precise and, and, and very clean and, and, and very good. Um, you know, the life is not like that. And that's why I'm, I'm also uh, doing archery. Um, when you're doing archery, you understand that the, the perfection didn't exist. So you can't do a, a goal 10, 10, 10 every day. Yeah. That's not possible because the human, because the life is like that and the human are like that. And this is the best advice I receive is more like you, you need to keep smiling, even if um, it's not the data, it's every time not at the state you want. It's not at the state you want it to be because there is a lot of data quality problems or other things to happen. So when you are a little bit of perfectionism, uh, you want things to be very good and everything, things, but the perfection didn't exist. Yeah. So uh, keep smiling and, and things will be great. Uh, just keep progressing, progressing step by step. And that's the best way to look at it. Um, I don't try to solve everything in the first place. Yeah, fantastic. And I think, yeah, like if, if we look at 
I think that advice, I bet, is good for a data career, but also for life as well. As we've seen this year with COVID and with all of the changes that have been happening, maintaining that, you know, positive attitude, things aren't going to be perfect all the time, but actually you can step by step make things better you can step by step understand the data better even if you don't get it right straight away so that's fantastic advice i bet and as we wrap up today i want to thank you for your time you know um it's been a fascinating conversation um we could i've got more questions that i wanted to ask but for time we have to pause here so just want to thank you for your time and um i look forward to catching up with you again in the future yeah thank you Rosa, for the invitation that's great thank you very much